Welcome to our podcast, Autoimmune and You. I'm one of your hosts, Erica. And I'm your other host, Rachel. We're just two women with rheumatoid arthritis who are sharing our personal experiences managing this disease holistically. And we are both wellness coaches, so we are super passionate about empowering you to live your happiest and healthiest life. Hey, welcome back to Autoimmune and You. So last episode, we uh, mentioned doing an episode all about kind of identity and how that shifts throughout the course of your autoimmune journey or just life journey. And so we're going to be diving into what that looked like for each of us and us together as well, of kind of like shifts in our sense of self, in our sense of, you know, our self-worth of our confidence levels and all of that stuff in between, um, even starting from like before we were diagnosed to where we are today. Yeah. So one of the biggest identifications that I had pre-diagnosis was being a rock climber. Mm -hmm. That was like the biggest thing that I identified with myself with. So when I got diagnosed to be like, oh my gosh, like I'm not going to climb anymore. Like that felt like a part of my identity was gone. Um, So that was really, really difficult because all my friends are rock climbers. It's like what we do. And especially at that point, like every single weekend we were going out, every single weekend, everything involved rock climbing. So when you get diagnosed with something where you physically can't do that anymore, you feel like a part of you is gone. And it's like, I think that's one of the saddest things that happens when people get diagnosed is if they are involved in some type of physical activity that requires like the use of their joints and energy and whatever else comes with it and they have to give that up. Mm-hmm. It's really challenging for people and most of my clients say like, you know, I used to play basketball, I used to play tennis, I used to be a swimmer, I used to be a runner. And then when they can't do that anymore, they feel lost, you know, and they keep wanting to get back to that identity of who they saw themselves as before their diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Something that you just said really stuck out of feeling lost, right? Yep. It's such a prominent feeling when you're first diagnosed, you don't know where to turn. You don't know. I literally did so much self-development work and soul searching right after I was diagnosed because there's nothing else to do. I had yeah. to sit with my feelings. I had to sit with my thoughts because I couldn't walk by myself. I could yeah. barely even step into the shower with it without feeling like I was going to fall over. Like I specifically remember it was about a week after I had my first flare up. I don't think I was even like formally diagnosed yet. And actually I know I wasn't, it was a weekend and, um, my boyfriend at the time was out of town. I was by myself in this apartment and my mom and my grandma kept calling me being like, how are you doing? Like they would check on in on me multiple times throughout the day, but they lived in Colorado and Nebraska and I was in California and LA. And I was like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like I was already in that mindset of like, I got this, I can figure this out. This freaking sucks, but I, I don't want to lean on other people mm-hmm. for help. And arguably one of the times that you probably should lean on other people even more because you already are starting to lose that like sense of identity in like minutes, days, weeks, you know? I mean, the moment you're diagnosed, like literally, I I don't know about you, but the moment the words came out of my doctor's mouth of like, you have rheumatoid arthritis and this is like a lifelong chronic condition and you're going to be forced to be on these medications for the rest of your life. Like 
I felt literally myself transcend like out of my body. And it was almost like this new person, you know, this new, uh, I don't know, whatever you want to call it was there. And I was just like, what? Like all like instantaneously, like that's how quickly it can happen for some people. Yeah, for sure. And relating to that, um, when I was in the doctor, I've talked about this on the podcast in earlier episodes, but when I first went to the rheumatologist, she didn't want to call it anything. She just called it inflammatory arthritis at the beginning because she was like, this might go away. That was her Mm -hmm. thing at the beginning. It might go away. I don't want to label you with anything, which part of me kind of appreciates. And part of me was like, okay, well, I want more answers than that. Yeah. Um, And she put me on uh, two long-term medications on Plaquenil and Mobic and was like, you can stay on the Mobic for up to like a couple of years. She's like Plaquenil people stay on for 10 to 15 years at a time. Like it is a long-term medication. It's the most mild RA medication you can be on. You can be on this forever. And I was like, wait a second. I had mm-hmm. never taken medications in my life besides like allergy. Medicine. Yeah. Like, and I was like, wait, what? Like I have to be on this to be able to function. Like, what do you mean? Um, and that was like definitely something to wrap my mind around for sure. But like I said, she was very wary of like giving me a diagnosis until like later on, like maybe a month or two later. And then she was like, okay, well, basically your blood markers are negative, but you have all of the same factors or all of the same symptoms, as well as like some of the other blood markers, like the inflammatory markers and stuff. Um, and so you basically have seronegative RA. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like I didn't, even once she said that, like, I didn't know it was a lifelong thing. Didn't, had no idea. Mm-hmm. And then once I started doing more research, I was like, wait a second, like, you mean I have to literally like live with this? Yeah. And it took me quite a long time to wrap my mind around that because it was a different experience than you, Erica, where it's like, everything's positive. You have a family history, all this stuff. And this is what it is. It's like long. My doctor, uh, again, originally was like, it might go away. So I had that in my mind always of like, oh, and mind you, I had had joint issues in the past. I had had digestive issues in the past, not knowing it was all related. Um, I've always had issues with my knees and wrists, which come to find out like with my RA, those are my problem areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just like, honestly kind of felt like the runaround and that left me even more hopeless to an extent because it's like, oh, well, I don't fit in this like perfect little box of like seropositive RA, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, yeah. even still to this day, like people ask me online and stuff like that of like, oh, well, like what's your diagnosis? And like, are you seropositive? And it's almost like sometimes you question yourself, right? I think to myself like, oh, well, it's seronegative. Like who knows? Maybe it down the line, I was misdiagnosed this whole time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And then even then, like, I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast. I got back all of the documentation from that rheumatologist in LA recently. And some of the older paperwork um, she put in there as like unspecified lupus as like mm-hmm. the code, like the diagnostic code that like you have to use for billing purposes. And I'm like, that does not go with anything that she ever told me. Yeah. Now I'm thinking that that was probably like a insurance billing thing since I'm seronegative, right? Mm. But even seeing that in front of my face, I was like, what the hell? Like, yeah. wait yeah. a second. So everything, like it really threw me for a loop. Um, and so things like that can really, it's funny because we always talk about not clinging to your diagnosis, but yeah. at the same time, sometimes it, almost brings you like a weird sense of peace, at least having an answer. I know a lot of people that even listen to this podcast are probably undiagnosed. I talk to people all the time that are undiagnosed and they're like, I don't know where to start, but something is going on. And I'm in the middle of all the testing and this and that. And I'm like, I get it. 
I was yeah. in that for a while. Um, yeah. I was in that for about a month going specialist to specialist test after test and all the things. Um, and finally getting kind of an answer essentially, and then learning to live with that. So yeah, going from like I was talking about going from my family constantly offering to help me and me being like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And literally I went to take a shower. I can vividly remember it was about a week after my first flare ups. I still couldn't walk by myself. I was holding onto walls while I was walking. I couldn't stand for more than like literally two minutes at a time. And I got, I tried to step into the shower and I was stepping over like the bathtub ledge. And I literally felt like I was going to fall with having like one leg up, like my balance was off my proprioception. Yeah. And I stepped into the shower and as I'm in the shower, I'm trying to shower as quickly as possible, but everything hurts. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, well, what if I sit down and I literally like look around me and I go to kind of bend over to see, and I literally was like, I'm not going to be able to get back up. Mm-hmm. I literally will not be able to get out of this tub if I sit down right now. Yeah. And so I just showered as quickly as I could and like shut the water and like basically like stepped out of the bath as like quickly, but safely and like whatever as possible. And then I just remember going and sitting on the toilet and just being like, what is happening? Who Mm -hmm. am I? I'm fucking 23 years old and I'm dealing with this. I went from being an occupational therapist, being a boss at transfers of lifting like 200 pound patients out of bed into their wheelchair by myself to being scared to sit down in the bathtub because I didn't think I'd be able to get back up. Like, yeah, that identity shift going from a 23 year old occupational therapist been working for two years Mm -hmm. to not being able to work. I was out of work for two months. And then even once I started working, I completely shifted gears because of all that self-work. So going back to my first point of the amount of self-work and like the amount of soul searching, I couldn't do anything, but lay in bed with my legs elevated. Like I was journaling like a mad person. I was listening to all the podcasts, definitely watched a lot of Netflix in the first couple of weeks, but then I got tired of it. I was like, what else can I do? And all of the things that I kept journaling about, about missing were being outdoors and working out. Like I love working out. I love the way it makes me feel. It makes me like mentally, physically, emotionally feel better. And fitness and nature were the two things that just kept coming up for me of what do I want to do with my life? Who am I? What do I really care about all this stuff? And like helping people was another one. Yeah. And it's crazy to look back at that and then look at now, like what I'm doing and the things that have just kind of like fallen into place. But it's the in-between all of that that I think is like a big point that we wanted to talk about today. Yeah. I mean, on top of like identifying with being a climber, I also identified with, you know, being in a graduate program, (laughs) like being a part of a marriage and family therapist, you know, program and all of that that goes into like school. Like when I think back on school, it's so crazy how – you get so identified with the program that you're in. It's like insane. <laughs> like, I don't know about you, oh, but so like, true. Yeah. I mean, I was definitely, you know, I've talked about this before, like a, a perfectionist and, you know, really was, I thought at that point was just going to become a marriage and family therapist to help people. But I really think a lot of that had to do with like ego and like, I'm going to get this degree and I'm going to make this amount of money. Um, which is very, very different from the space that I operate from and now from now. 
But like, yeah, like just being in graduate school, being a rock climber, um, anything like identifying as, you know, a girlfriend. I mean, there's so many identifications that we have in our life. It's, you know, we don't really realize it because we don't, most of us don't really take a step back and think Mm -hmm. of like, what am I a part of? Like, you're Mm -hmm. just a part of it. But now I can see that, you know, this whole health journey was originally in the beginning was originally me going, how can I get back to that identity of being a rock climber? Mm -hmm. Like that was part of like one of my main intentions on top of, you know, wanting to be able to come out the other end of this and to be able to help people. One of my main motivators was to get back to being a rock climber, you know, because I wanted that so bad. Um, And so now then like here I am six years later and I am climbing, but I honestly, through all the mindset work and, you know, listening a lot to a lot of Eckhart Tolle is recognizing these limiting like identifiers that we Mm -hmm. tend to cling on to in every, in our everyday lives. Um, And so for me, like, I feel like thankful that I can rock climb, but like, it's not the same identification that I had pre-diagnosis. It looks very different mm-hmm. um, because I'm in a different body. I, you know, I'm, it's, it's just different. But mm-hmm. recently, not recently, I would say probably within the last like maybe even four years after because I quickly got into all this kind of mindset work we talk about. But um, I, I've really tried to not identify with things. And so even when it comes to having rheumatoid arthritis, Yes, like we talked about in the last episode, we spent a lot of our time talking about rheumatoid arthritis. You know, I have a social media account. We have this podcast. I have my health coaching. But like, I truly don't identify with rheumatoid arthritis. And I truly don't identify with being a sick person. Like, that's one word that I absolutely never use in my vocabulary. I never, ever, ever describe to anyone like, oh, I'm sick. You yeah. know, I'm a sick person. Um, and I see that, you know, talk going off of the last conversation we had in the autoimmune community, people really identifying with being a sick person. Yeah. I don't want to identify with being a sick person. Yeah. I want to identify with a person that's doing deep inner healing. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's even in itself is not an identification. It's just more of a process that I yeah. that I'm going through. So like I don't even like to identify as like, oh, I'm in the spiritual realm of life or I'm this or I'm that. Like, I think that in itself is of the ego and it's actually, yes. it's it's opposite of what the true work is really about. And so I really feel like it's a, a humble, quiet process that you go through by yourself. And I don't really have the words to articulate fully everything that I've experienced in the last six years. Mm-hmm. I don't, I could try, but it's all, it's all my subjective words, you know, it doesn't really translate to like, what has truly happened to me? Like, how have I been transformed? Like, it's kind of a hard thing for me, at least to articulate fully. Like, I, I'm still like, yeah, it's just crazy to think back that person six years ago thinking, oh, I'm never going to be a rock climber. I'm never going to be this. I'm never going to be that. And like, I don't even care about any of those labels anymore. It's just for me, like climbing has always been about enjoying the process, like pushing my body to physical limits, using my mind to connect to my body, um, getting myself into nature, um, 
that's what it's really been about. It was never really about the label. And so now that I am climbing, I'm just connecting, reconnecting back to like the essence of climbing, you know? And when you stop identifying with these things, if you have to let it go temporarily when my body's flaring, it makes it way easier on me because I'm not like, oh, like I'm a climber. I should be doing this. I'm just like, no, that's a thing that I really love and I just can't do it in the moment. Yeah. And that makes it a lot easier. That's such a good point. I love that. Yeah. Wow. So things have changed. Like it's really, I don't know, We when we talk, I'm just, when I think about this like whole transformation within the last six years and like where I am today, it's it's not anything I could have ever imagined like whatsoever. Did I want this to happen? I wanted it to happen. Like I set that intention for myself to grow through this and to change and to completely change like my perspective and my attitude towards everything but I didn't know you know you don't know how it's gonna play out Mm -hmm. and it's just interesting (laughs) here we are I like now that you said that I literally just got a little emotional thinking about my diagnosis was the catalyst for so like literally every single thing that has happened in my life since then every single major thing yep has come as a result of that. Oh, yeah. It is wild, wild to think about. Yeah. So I'm just thinking like far back to, okay, before I get into that, I want to say a couple of things about what you just said, and then I'll get into that. Oh. Um, so first of all, I really like that you were talking about like the ego wanting to identify with something. Mm-hmm. Um, And that's so true. So for instance, like Erica and I are both like very, very spiritual people. We have our own spiritual practices. We, you know, do a lot of things on the side, but it's not necessarily things that we ever talk about or like they're out there. Right. Um, It's actually really funny because like people walk into my apartment and they like, don't expect, like I literally have like plants and crystals and like singing bowls and like stuff like that all over the place. Right. Mm -hmm. And people don't necessarily expect that from like seeing my Instagram or like knowing me outside of my home. Um, And I kind of like chuckle to myself because I'm like, this is my sanctuary. This is my space. Like, this is where I feel most grounded. Mm -hmm. But it's funny to me that people don't necessarily expect that because it's like, well, what does spiritual look like? It doesn't have to Exactly. Again, spirituality has this identification of Mm -hmm. what that's supposed to look like. Oh, you're supposed to be, you know, maybe dreadlocks or long flowy hair and like whereas no deodorant and like no, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like there's a lot of those components that I truly love and respect, but like, you know, that's not part of how I interpret interpret my you know spiritual awakening or whatever that is yeah and that's like the same thing with literally anything right like um I don't know if you're really into yoga or like you're really really into fitness but like people wouldn't necessarily know by just like looking at you right it's all judgment that's all ego that's all ego and when you are trying to identify so much with something that it kind of takes away the value from that thing like you were saying like to it it makes it a little bit easier to pull away from climbing when you're not like, I am a climber. You yeah, know I mean? yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that you said is like never identifying as sick. And I a hundred percent, I've never, even yep. like from the very beginning, I've never been like, I'm a sick person or yep. identified as that. And this is actually um, something that I was thinking about yesterday when I was thinking about us recording this. The cool part about your journey and my journey, neither of us took 
whatever the doctor said, whatever our mind tried to tell us as an answer. Yeah. Both of us from the beginning were like, no, I don't think so. I'm yeah, we refused. Yeah, yeah, we, we refused. didn't accept that. Neither of us did. And that's why both of us are where we are. And that's mm-hmm. why what I just said, like that diagnosis was a catalyst for every other thing that has happened in life since then. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that like, we don't think about these things daily. Like we have to, we are forced to think about our limitations and our capabilities every single day. Right. Yeah. But it's funny. So like, for instance, um, like easy example, when I'm doing workouts at orange theory, like a component is on the treadmill. Right. And I always power walk. I don't jog or run because it's much easier on my joints. And there was a coach recently that was like, Oh, and like you power walked. And I was like, well, yeah, I always power walk. Like I have mm-hmm. rheumatoid arthritis. So it's much easier on my joints. And they were like, Whoa, Mm-hmm. really and like to me it's just like yeah you know yeah. I just I just do I'm not like oh I have rheumatoid arthritis yeah. and so I have to power walk I'm like I get a bomb ass workout no matter if I power walk or run like mm-hmm. <laughs> it feels great and I love what I'm doing and I have learned to adjust for my body did I used to identify as a competition dancer and like all this stuff and like very athletic yeah for sure but that's just like I definitely still identify as like you know athletic and fit and whatever but I don't have to push myself past certain limits in order to prove to myself that I'm worthy of movement, that I'm worthy of feeling good. Um, and so not identifying with the disease doesn't mean that we don't think about it. It doesn't mean that we're like in yeah. denial. Like we yeah. have to, we're forced mm-hmm. to think about that every day. It just means that we aren't out there blasting to everyone. I have rheumatoid arthritis. So I'm doing this this way. Like we're just like, okay, I know what I need to do for myself and I'm going to do that. And if someone asks me about it, then fine, I'll have a conversation, but I don't feel the need to explain myself to anyone unless I feel like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's, yeah, it's very dangerous to put yourself in that box and y- y- our words are powerful. Okay. So like when we're telling ourselves like I'm a sick person, whether that's like posting on Instagram or whatever that is, like you're literally telling your body, I'm a sick person and it's going to stay in that state. You're telling your body and you're putting it out there into the universe and anything you put out there, whether it's writing it, saying it, thinking it is going to come right back to you in that same way. Yeah. From day one, I've always said like, I'm in the process of healing, you know, like from day one, like I'm healing, you know, even when I didn't immediately see results from the diet changes that I was making or whatever, you know, things that I was doing at that time. I've always just believed like, you know, I'm healing. I'm healing even when my body is in pain. I still tell myself I'm healing. I don't want to put myself in that box of this disease and being chronically ill or whatever, you know, thing we've, you know, talked about even on the last episode. Because that, yeah, that that changes your whole trajectory. You know, it's not that you're in denial that you have this diagnosis, right? Because that would just be ridiculous. But it's about how you're speaking about the illness, the the beliefs that you have around the illness, um, the limiting beliefs that you have about yourself. Like those are very, very, very powerful. And you're right. Like the reason why we are sitting here today is because we refused, you know, we refused to be like someone, some doctor told me this is the outcome of my life. And yeah. we were like, no, thank you. We were like, like, I'm um, going to try thanks for your opinion. I respect it, but I'm not taking that as an answer. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so if you're listening to this today, like pay attention 
to the words that come out of your mouth, how you speak to people, even about your illness. It's yeah. not, you know, like I'm totally comfortable telling someone like I have rheumatoid arthritis, like, you know, I, this, I have this disease, that's it, you know, but I'm not like, I say it in a productive way for that person to understand that sometimes things may look different for me, you know, mm-hmm. or the reason why I have to make dietary changes or do whatever I have to do in my life. Um, it's not a matter of like me using that as an excuse in my life. It's like, mm-hmm. this is the reality. Like, this is what I deal with. But then leaving it at that, <laughs> like yeah. I exist with rheumatoid arthritis, but like yeah. that's, that's about it. Yeah. Dr. Joe Dispenza talks a lot about like changing your personality and the fact that that can literally change at any point. And the fact that if you truly want to be in that mindset of healing, you need to change your personality from a deeper level. Right. And like your characteristics, who you are. Um, and I think that a lot of people cling to, for instance, like your example of I'm a climber, some people cling too much to that, to where it holds them back. And something that I've been talking a lot with clients about recently, um, it just keeps coming up is clinging to something that you knew pre-diagnosis and not realizing that the more you're clinging to that, the more it's holding you back. And the more, maybe that thing wasn't quite as important to you as you thought or felt. And maybe there's something even better out there for you. Mm -hmm. Before I was diagnosed to paint a little picture, I was working as an occupational therapist. I had lived in California for about five or six months at that point. And I was going hiking every single weekend. We did a different hike every weekend with my now ex-husband. And um, he and I never had a healthy relationship. We were together for literally since high school. Um, Never had a healthy relationship, like really constantly bickering. Fast forward and like I got diagnosed and he was like, honestly, from the very beginning, even the very first day that I went to urgent care, when I had this like crazy flare up, I went to urgent care by myself because he wouldn't even like leave work to go with me. And then he did end up going and meeting me there afterwards. But I like really was was feeling like I couldn't drive. Like my knee, my knees were so swollen and I couldn't feel from my knees down. And I was scared to drive because I was scared to use the pedals, but I drove myself there. But I had asked him originally, like, can you please come get me? You know, like I need you there. Yeah. And even from that first point, like not that he was not there for me, but it just wasn't the support that I was asking for. And that was the one person that I kind of felt comfortable asking at first. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, because I wasn't really receiving that support, I stopped asking. And so then I truly felt like no one was there to understand. And I've talked about this before, but when I was first diagnosed and when I was first dealing with all of it, even when I started working again as a host, just like literally very short shifts because I couldn't stand stay on my feet very long. Anytime I'd be at work, anytime we'd hang out with those people, I would just be like, oh, like my knees have issues. That's all I would say. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't like talk about what I had been through or anything like that for literally like a year later. But when I was by myself, I felt a lot more comfortable expressing that. And so funny enough, like, I'm just thinking of all these catalysts that happened. So I was in this unhealthy relationship. I was doing what I thought was healthy, which was like, you know, working out. And I thought I was eating healthy, eating like whey protein shakes, like they tell you to, and all this, like whatever stuff. And then come to find out all this stuff was actually like killing me about a month and a half after my first flare up. Um, I just, like I said, fitness was the thing that kept coming up and I just wanted to be able to work out again. I was like feeling so gross 
And I found Beachbody, which does like home workout programs. And so these programs really helped me mentally and physically to like kind of recalculate my abilities and realize that I can do things that I didn't think I could do. And it helped me also because I was in my own space. I was at home doing these workouts because I felt so self-conscious. I would not set foot in a gym again for months because I was like, I'm scared. I don't want people to look at me and think like, oh, she looks like she should be able to do stuff. And like, why is she yeah, taking I was there. Yeah. I, remember I was that. so self-conscious. Yeah. And so it was really cool to be able to do it in my, in the comfort of my own home and to slowly progress along with physical therapy. And so literally I owe so much of my business of everything that I'm doing now to that, because in joining Beachbody, I gained this community of women that was so incredibly supportive. And I didn't have to talk about the fact that I had RA. I just showed up for myself and would show up in there. And if I was ever struggling, I could post something in there and they would all like rally with me and just like be there and lift me up. And it would feel so much better. Not only that, but then on the other side of things, like the kind of business side or whatever, it showed me what was possible because a lot of these women had other side businesses. Like one of my very close friends, Katie has a business doing like tie dye headbands. Another woman has a business, um, renting out paddle boards and doing like adventure trips for people. Another woman that I know makes like mala beads. Um, and she is amazing and has her own, like all of these women are doing all these other things outside of Beachbody. And to me, Mm -hmm. I was like, Whoa, if they can do it, I can do it. That really inspired me of like, wait, I can do so much more and I can help people in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. And I owe everything to that because if I hadn't have gotten sick, I probably would have never enrolled with Beachbody. I probably would have never had that chance uh, to build that confidence within my mind and body again, because it was so nice to be able to do it at home and not like have that other aspect of like, oh, people are watching me. And then from there, I built the confidence within myself to start coaching other people with autoimmune diseases. And now I have my business. Now we have this podcast. And because I was sharing so much more on social media, my now ex-husband was like looking down on me. He was like rolling his eyes at me and all this stuff because I was sharing genuinely, like just being silly and whatever. And it felt good to be able to be on there and sharing my routines and sharing what was working for me and like helping people. But it's funny because he looked down on me for that and he made me feel shameful for it. When in reality, my intention there was just trying to help people, just trying to show, hey, I was diagnosed with this thing and now I'm feeling so much better and now I can do all these things you can do it too. And so that I think was another catalyst in honestly, the way that he started treating me, the way that I started treating him, because then I was feeling attacked. So anytime someone feels attacked, of course, they're going to like kind of come at it. Mm -hmm. And it was just so, so toxic, which eventually led to divorce, which eventually led to me moving to Portland which eventually led to me moving to Seattle. Like all of these things progressed to where it is now because of that initial diagnosis. Yeah. It's freaking wild, but it's all because I didn't take what the rheumatologist said. I didn't take what I was feeling inside to be my truth. I found my own truth and I created my own identity outside of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I relate to that in the sense of like, you know, when I was diagnosed, getting on social media and starting my social media account and dedicating it to holistic living, something that wasn't even a thing at that point, there was very few people, maybe like a couple like doctors or something like that, sharing their experience with holistic living. And stepping into this like autoimmune community, and then 
speaking about stuff that wasn't really accepted at that time. Mm -hmm. And this was in 2016. There literally, I'm going to tell you, and because I looked, there was nothing out there. There was nothing. And I was trying to share this information. And I, that was a big uphill battle, but I felt that call inside of me. And a lot of people don't know this, but for, I would say maybe three years before I got my health coaching certification, I would jump on calls with people all around the world, literally from India, Romania. I remember I talked to someone from, oh, where was it? It was probably in somewhere, I think it was in like Africa or something like that. Like just random people following me and seeing my account and asking me questions about like holistic stuff. And at that point, like I didn't really know anything But I was just trying to share, you know, information that could possibly help people. Mm -hmm. And so that identity of like having rheumatoid arthritis, but like doing the opposite of what was the norm in the autoimmune community Mm -hmm. was really, really difficult. And, you know, I'm proud of myself that no matter how much backlash that I got at that time, no matter how many people criticized the information that I was sharing. And by the way, I was literally just sharing, like, eating more whole foods is helping my joints, taking out dairy, like, stopping fast food. I wasn't drinking alcohol at that time. Um, You know, little mindset uh, tips and things like that that I had started learning. That it was so, like... It was so disrupting to that the community at that time. This conversation last episode about like these are basic things that no matter if you have an autoimmune yeah. disease or not, it's gonna help you. Like, yeah, it's so ridiculous. It was you know such basic stuff, and like I'm just so proud of myself that you know I continued to push through that like backlash because I knew in my heart that what I was doing was the right thing. Like I knew it. I didn't have the degree, that title, that identification, whatever with being a coach and whatnot. But like it was coming from the most genuine place of like, mm-hmm. I want to share this with people. Like there's people sitting at the doctor's office that think they have to be on these hardcore medications for the rest of their life and that there's no possibility of weaning down on it or getting better on their own. And so pushing myself through that and like slowly building lasting friendships in this community. And like, I have like so many people that I can list in my head that I've been talking to since 2016 that have rheumatoid arthritis. And I've watched them grow, like grow their Mm -hmm. business and becoming like, you know, a yoga instructor or fitness trainer or whatever it is. And it's like, it's so absolutely beautiful. Like I don't really talk about that process enough but like I really feel like so thankful that I push past all the criticism and I'm here like still saying the same message literally I I challenge you scroll back to 2016 to literally my first post of saying like you know I'm here to change the narrative I'm here to change my life I'm here to become the best version of myself and I'm glad that I could let go of all these identities of, you know, being in a graduate program of, of, um, what else? Being in a graduate program, being whatever I identified myself with at that time, a perfectionist, uh, you know, a type A, uh, whatever. I don't know. There's a million identifications and I have let go of those slowly, even for instance, when it comes to extroverted versus introverted. Mm-hmm. 
even myself, like I catch myself and like these things are not, some of these things are like an old narrative that I've even been telling myself because I truly believe by someone saying I'm extroverted, I'm introverted, you're already putting yourself in a black and white box. I don't even want to, I, there's so many things that I just don't choose to identify with. I'm like, there are some things where, you know, my tendencies may be more like introverted in certain situations, Mm -hmm. but I'm not. I'm not either one. I can be extremely extroverted and I can be extremely introverted. And like, that's okay. Like we don't have this story that we tell ourselves, right? Is like also part of this whole process. And for me, one of the biggest things I stopped identifying with was all the trauma that I experienced Mm -hmm. in my life. This is another identifier that keeps people sick and keeps people in the same spot and keeps them from making the growth and, you know, personal development that they need because they're hanging on to that story. You know, I do not talk about, you guys don't know, like probably 99.999% of the stuff that I've gone through in my life. Mm -hmm. I don't talk about it on here. I've probably mentioned a few things a few times, but like if someone truly knew my life, you'd be like, God damn, Erica, like you're freaking strong. But like, I don't use that as my source of strength. I don't use my trauma as my source of strength. I don't do that anymore. But I used to do that. Oh, I'm I'm a first generation college student and da 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 like all these things. And it's like it's coming from a different space now. You know, like my source of strength is just being present, being in this present moment, not attaching myself to my past Mm -hmm. and not attaching myself to this version of myself that I think I'm going to be in the future. Like it's all about now. Who am I now? What am I doing now in this moment? And I think that can really take away all these identifications that we have in our life. Mm -hmm. Like just what is it now? Like why do we have to like – it's like we bought, yeah, the, the identifications just lock us in and they reinforce whatever things that are not serving us, you know, mm-hmm. um, because we're fluid. Humans should be fluid. Like one season of your life, yeah, you could be extremely extroverted and energized. And then some parts of your life, you can be more reclusive and you can be calm yep. and you can be peaceful. And like, that's the thing that I'm seeing with myself to talk about identification is that I did used to see myself as like, you know, loud and like center, not center of attention, but like, okay with like being, you know, able to speak in front of people and, you know, silly and all those things. And I am that, but it just looks very different now, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's, and it's not that I've like intentionally tried to change that. It's like, we all evolve and all, we all go through certain personality traits at a specific time. And like, like you said about Dr. Joe Dispenza, like he says, your personality is based off of how you think, how you feel and how you act. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? Those three, those three things change all the freaking time. Yeah. And they should change. We shouldn't be the same person that we were six years ago, you know, before a diagnosis, whatever. I mean, yeah, like we should, we should have that fluidity in our life. And like that, I feel like is the most essential part of being a human is being able to be fluid, not boxing yourself into things. And, and I want to bring this up because I think this, you know, this definitely has to go with this is that recently I started consuming eggs. I haven't had any animal products in my diet for over I think it's been five and a half years and a lot of 
the way that I was eating, of course, it started off with health, but then it turned into like veganism and like ethical stuff. And, and then as I've been trying, you know, thinking about getting pregnant and like all those things, I've had to like reevaluate stuff because my hormone levels are changed and I'm getting older. I'm turning 35, um, at the end of this year. And so checking in with myself of like, Erica, well, what do you feel like you need to support your body to support another human being? Mm-hmm. And, you know, set aside, you know, my, I guess, idea of what I think a sustainable, ethical diet is about. You know, like what is my body need? And <laughs> we talk about this all the time. And so I felt the need to, you know, start incorporate, incorporating eggs into my diet And I had a good like six months where I was like really battling that because again, I realized I have totally boxed myself in and whatever we can, I can call myself a hypocrite. And that's the part, that's the thing. When, when you make such like definitive statements in your life of like, I will never do this. Mm -hmm. I will never be this. That's not healthy. And I can look back on myself saying, I would never do that and think, that's not true because there's a lot of things on this health journey that I did that I never thought were possible. So my takeaway here is that I promise myself that I will never say never. I know that's a, a statement, right? You say, like a lot of people say, like, never say never, but it's absolutely true. Like, never say never because life is going to take you in different directions and you have to be flexible and you have to be willing to challenge yourself and to challenge your beliefs and to challenge, you know, the normalcy of your life. Um, and so, yeah, I feel a lot better since I've been incorporating some eggs into my diet. And now, you know, do I know how my diet is going to unfold in the next five years or the rest of my life? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But like I have told myself is a big learning lesson of like, don't box yourself in. Don't identify with anything because that could change, you know? And it's like deep down, of course, like my ethics have not changed. Like I definitely care about animal welfare. It's not like I'm like, oh, I'm just going to like start going through McDonald's drive through and stuff yeah. like that. Um, I'm definitely, you know, going to the farmer's market, being very conscious about it and just allowing myself to be like, you know what? like you can create your own way of sustainability. You can create your own way of ethics. Like you can do what's best for your body and still care about certain issues. You can be a certain way without announcing it to the world is the biggest takeaway in that. It's like, oh yeah. Yeah. Like kind of like the spirituality thing, right? It's like we can be spiritual and the whole world doesn't have to like know, right? Yeah. I think in the social media era, again, jumping off of that last episode, if you haven't listened to it, highly recommend go listen to it. Um, But jumping off of that is like people have become so obsessed with identifiers right Mm -hmm. this and that and like in instagram profiles like ra warrior and migraine warrior and mom and this and that and it's like yes those are all cool things but that's not you that's not Mm -hmm. who you are and i think that the beautiful part about this journey for both you and i and a lot of people probably listening is the spiritual and personal growth that comes as a result of a diagnosis or of that catalyst, whatever the catalyst is for you. Maybe there's something else that happened in your life that triggered that growth. And this diagnosis is just kind of like pushing that further. Um, Or maybe you're not diagnosed and that's already pushing you. Like the thing is like 
the beautiful growth that comes as a result of that, that you weren't even planning on or expecting that is the most beautiful because looking back, I would have never expected for me to be where I am now. Mm -mm. I couldn't have even like imagined this in my wildest writings or dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Like having had 40 people go through my coaching program, having had, you know, tons and tons of people before my coaching program was even a thing going through one-on-one calls with them, having, you know, thousands of people following me on social media and having that impact, having 21,000, probably 22,000 plus plays on our podcast at this point, meeting Erica on social media, like having all these adventures now being in the most stable, healthy relationship of my life, like All of these things, all of this has led to the growth within myself on such a deep, deep level. And I couldn't even like ever imagine, and I couldn't have even like written down for that to be like, you know, a manifestation because I had no fucking clue. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, And like knowing that I, I really like talking about the shifts in identity, right? Because I have always been a loud, energetic, outgoing person. Always. Mm -hmm right? That's just how I am. Right. Mm -hmm. But do I sit there and cling on to like, I'm just loud. I'm just energetic. No, because it's just the way I am. I don't have to announce that to the world because that's just who I am. Like people can understand that just by meeting me or seeing me. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's funny because when I was little, I would, I was that kid that like, my parents were always like, Rachel, indoor voices or like, Rachel, you're being too Mm -hmm. loud. Or like, I would get in trouble or whatever. And those things that I would get in trouble for that my ex-husband would roll his eyes at me for that, you know, I would people like friends and family would just be like, oh my gosh, there she goes again, are Mm -hmm. now things in my life that have pushed everything I've done forward, have created an even stronger sense of self for myself, have actually built my confidence because I get to use those things to both my advantage and the people around me. Right. And so that's just a little lesson. And like, those things aren't necessarily bad things. You know, if I would have like clung on to the fact that my ex-husband always made fun of me for posting on social media and for like Mm -hmm laughing loud and for dancing around my living room like an idiot all the time if I would have taken that to heart and used that to shift my identity for the you know opposite side of things Mm -hmm. I don't want to say negative it's not really negative but yeah I would be a completely different person but again I didn't take that as an answer I didn't take that as oh I should change because that one person has an issue with it you know Mm -hmm. yeah yeah exactly um yeah it's when you think about like your personality, you know, like, again, I used to identify as like, I don't know, all the, all the things I've ever talked about. And it's like, I'm still the same. It, it's weird. Like what makes like, that's another interesting question we could have a podcast about is like, I don't know, like what makes you, you, because mm-hmm. we talk about like you beyond the identifications, mm-hmm. right? When I think about each one of my like amazing, unique friends, um, there's a lot of commonalities, you know, they're very smart, they're funny, they're adventurous. Okay. But like, what is them? What makes that person them? And it's really just like, to me, like an energy that they not energy in the sense of like, whether they're quiet or loud an energy of just, it's that like essence of them. That, essence, like, yeah. yeah. Like, 
And that's, I guess, what I really always try to connect back to is just like remembering that my essence will speak for itself. Mm-hmm. And I don't need to say anything about what that is. And I just let that be. And I think that's something that we could all benefit from. It's just like you, you have an everyone, everyone has their own essence, you know, and embrace that instead of being like, I need to be this person or I need to be like this person or I need to whatever. It's like, that's where, that's where things get, they go wrong. You know, that's when you find that unhappiness. When you have those shoulds in your mind, if I should be doing this because that person is doing it, or I shouldn't feel this way because I, you know, life is great. Why should I possibly feel sad right now? Well, sometimes you feel sad and sometimes you feel happy and sometimes you're annoyed with yourself and sometimes you're really confident in yourself. And those ebbs and flows and contrasts in life are what makes life what it is. Yeah. That is why it's all a journey. And especially more so when you have an autoimmune disease and you have to kind of like recreate that identity of yourself. But I think that the most important part there is discovering who you are deep down within. I actually released a course like just over, I want to say a year and a half ago, a self-discovery course. Um, it's a seven day course where it's like journal prompts every day. And I have like videos to go along with it. And if I'm being completely honest, I released this course and I like talked about it on social media and like three people bought it. Like Mm. I was like, okay, cool. Like I put a lot into this and I felt very strongly about it because essentially it was what my process was when I was first diagnosed. What was the soul searching that I did? And I like thought back to that and I created this course out of that. Mm -hmm. And now like all the clients that are in my uh, wellness method membership get access to that course. And now people are doing it. But anyway, Mm -hmm. my point is that I have multiple clients who have gone through it now and are like, oh my gosh, this is amazing because it's not anything crazy. Like, oh my God, aha, profound. It's literally me laying out pretty basic questions that make you think in a very different way. Yeah. And make you actually do that internal work that people are like, people, you know, Erica and I too are always saying like, do the internal work, do the shadow work, do the deep healing. But it's kind of like, well, what does that actually look like? What is like a foundational baseline? Like, how do you even jump into that if you yeah. don't know where, what it is? Yeah. And, and I, th- oh, I was just going to say, I think that something like that, like those basic baseline questions, like what's in that course are yeah. so important because All you have to do is connect to what is important to me, what brings me joy, what, um, what is my perception of myself? What do I want to genuinely be like? What Mm. would others that love me say about me? And then you kind of can take all of that and like package it into, wow, this is who I am outside of the diagnosis. This is who I am outside of my job title. This is who I am outside of my like relationship roles. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly like even with my health coaching, like, you know, people reach out because they want to go, oh, I want to be in less pain. You know, I want to have less inflammation. Mm-hmm. And I lay it out there from the beginning of, yeah, that's okay to have that goal. But like, I'm really here to help you to be that catalyst for your own personal development that you need for yourself. And so that whole process every single time, even though there's similarities in people's journeys and what they want, it unfolds very, very differently. And each person that I work with gets something totally different out of it than the person before. Um, But I think it's really important to help people, yeah, connect to that like deeper connection to like, what is this health journey about? Or at least like helping them get in the thought process of, okay, this is more than just my diagnosis that I'm working on. Mm -hmm. 
this is more because it bleeds into other areas of their lives. Like people's like, my relationships are improving Mm -hmm. with my husband. Um, I'm having a better connection with my kids because I'm more present. Um, It's one of those things where like you don't know until you know. And once you're in it, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. But the whole point is, is that, you know, all these identifications on our health journey, whether it's, you know, even identification with being healthy. I mean, mm-hmm. like, because then when you're not feeling healthy, then you're upset at yourself because you're yep. like, I'm not feeling healthy. So it's more of just like, again, being present with each day and appreciating everything that you have in that moment and just trying to be attentive to what needs that you need to be that need to be met at that moment. Mm-hmm. And it just evolves. And then you turn into that person. Like that's the only way it's going to happen. It just happens. And I think that we talk about the deep work, the shadow work, all this stuff. But I think why Erica and I are so set apart from other coaches out there are because we dive into that so incredibly deeply with our clients because we've seen what that can do for the health journey. It doesn't like literally until you're in it, it sounds crazy to be like, we'll just dive into the shadow work and, you know, find (laughs) those like inner demons, not demons, but like, you know what I mean? Like find those inner demons and you'll be healed. And it's like, first of all, we're not ever saying you're going to be totally fine, but it's going to make life feel so much easier when you are grounded in yourself and you are grounded in your practices and you are feeling more confident in your abilities and you are relearning what life is going to be like now, all of this results in feeling better overall. And because of that, that's why we do what we do, right? Like we want to continue to empower that within you. And it might sound crazy to you if you're just not quite in that headspace. Like we talked about last episode, some people just aren't, and that's totally fine. But once you are like, that's why we're here. That's why we exist. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. that's why we're so passionate about what it is that we do, because we have seen it in our clients, in ourselves, you know, client after client after client, if not the people that we affect on social media as well, that aren't even yet clients that already are like, oh my gosh, I've started putting these things into practice or podcast listeners that are really starting to open up their mind to the possibility that what you're feeding your mind and um, what you're doing outside of just what you're eating and how you're moving Mm -hmm. make such an incredible difference. And the more grounded and confident you feel in yourself, the better you'll feel long-term. Yep. Well, you know, I think there's still a lot more to be said about this. So I'm sure we'll continue to talk about this in, you know, upcoming episodes. Um, But let us know, reach out to us. Like, what have you noticed that you've been identifying with that's not serving you on your health journey? You know, Mm -hmm. is it your trauma? Is it your diagnosis? Is it, um, you know, a physical sport that you've been doing your whole life? Like, what is it? What is that for you? And ask yourself, like, how is this serving me to continue to identify this? And like, how can I allow myself to grow through this process and to let it evolve me into what I need now in my current life? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we we love hearing from you guys. Absolutely. Again, we love getting those messages where people are like, I actually did this and it's really helping me. Yeah. This is what we need. We need to hear from you guys because this is how we know other than, you know, the amount of you know, downloads and whatever listens that we get, hearing from you makes this all so much more real for us. Mm-hmm. It all it helps us to 
guide the conversations that we have on here because we need to know what it is that you want to hear but also it helps us like it validates us that what we're yeah. doing is actually helping people because that is our biggest goal here is to help you on your journey and be that beacon of light that neither of us had necessarily at the beginning of our journeys so please yes. we absolutely love it um we hope that this conversation helped you on your own journey and we are sending you all the love and light bye Thank you so much for listening to our Autoimmune and You podcast. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and share on social media. We really appreciate every bit of support. Sharing is caring. Every like, subscribe, and share that we get helps us get our message out to more people.